0: Booby-Doobs. Eavesdropping. Uh. Oh, Michelle, look, here we are again. It's your favourite and my favourite and their favourite, eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. Their favourite earwigging moment of the whole week in a world devoid of any earwigging. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'd never even heard of earwigging before. Haven't you? Recently. No, I think it means eavesdropping.
0: Yes. Earwigging. Yes. We could have called it earwigging, couldn't we? Earwigging. No, it's not the same. It doesn't. No, it's not the same. Uh, eavesdropping. Not the same. Yeah. Eaves, eavesdropping. So how have you been? I heard that you were just having a, a bit of a, a swoosh down the ski slopes. Yes, I was. It was a
1: beautiful day. Beautiful day. I'm not very good, but I give it, I give it my best. Did you go
0: arse over tit? <laughs> no. Well, then you no, must no. be all right.
1: Managed to stay on two
0: skis and that's, it was fine. It was fine. So How are you? I saw you've got snow. We've got snow but already it's starting to piss away. Um, I'm sorry that your partner thought it was dick and balls, which oh. I said to my husband, <laughs> he said, is that is that the professional term for not very much coverage? <laughs> Do you know what? He was actually referring to your vase. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> he was
0: like, her past looks like dick and balls. No, snow. <laughs> That's why I said it's not a competition, Andreas. And I said that to him and he was like, I oh, don't get it. And I was like, me either. Because <laughs> I thought it was about the amount of snow. Because you sent a picture of this beautiful little house, like a gingerbread palace. Covered in meters of snow, and I just had this little bit of like bit of winy old kale covered with a droplet of. <laughs> oh look, never mind. We got our Dick wires crossed there. <laughs> Dick and balls. Now I understand. Yes, it does look yeah. a bit like Dick and balls. If you were to like be Picasso or someone. <laughs> Listen, there Michelle. Last the last uh, extra droppings episode. Do we have any apologies to make about that? I don't think we do. I think this is the first time we've had no apologies. No apologies as such, but I would like to say you dropped a couple of hell bombshells towards the end there. or uh, beginning and end. Uh, I'll what? tell you. I'll tell you what they are. First of all, number one, your partner doesn't know who Steven Spielberg is. Now, that's a concern. <laughs> Secondly. Oh, look,
1: as soon as I said E.T., he was like. Oh, yeah, that guy. That guy. But look, he, he's, he's not Swedish. interested
0: in that. He's Swedish. You've I, got to lot of Swedish people do know who, you know, do know about movies, don't they, and stuff. Well, he
1: doesn't know who Ben <laughs> Mendelsohn is.
0: Well, that's fair.
1: <laughs> I even asked his sister. Ben. No one knows. Oh. Anyway.
0: No, no one knows. People know, just not them. Just not two people that you know. <laughs>
1: Two Swedish people <laughs> from the same family.
0: Oh gosh. Well I'll tell you what, there I there are a couple of apologies. First of all, there was the bombshells, which were you giving Steven Spielberg advice on how to edit one of his most incredible films of all time. I like that little touch. Thought that was cool. Listen
1: up, mate. Listen up. <laughs> get, the, get the editing snip snips out.
0: And the other one was um what was the other one? Oh yeah. They, Moon landings, how could I forget? I knew you were going to say moon landing. <laughs> and I know I said it at the time, but Michelle, is your whole disbelief in the moon landings purely because the dog didn't make it? No, it's And two it's professionally just, trained bait. astronauts it's managed bait. to make it. You think? It's faked. Why would they bother? You're scaring me. <laughs> Not the first time. I know the apology that I wanted you to make. It was and oh. Gillen. Aidan Gillen, bless his heart. Now, do you know who that actor is? I have a feeling you're thinking of someone completely different. I think
1: I might be thinking of someone else. He's not
0: weird looking. He's the guy that was in as Folk and then he went on to uh, be in Game of Thrones as Little Finger. I was going to send you a picture of him, but I didn't want to throw you off the oh, scent. Oh, I know who he is. Peaky Blinders. And guess who oh, he played in Project Blue Book? Who? Dr. J. Allen Hynek. No. Yep. The main guy that you were talking about last week. Do
1: you know what? I now know who he is, and it's not who I thought it was. I don't even know who I thought it, it was. Look but not was not him. Say. No, he's quite handsome in a in a you know creepy smooth kind of way. faced. Yeah, creepy, yeah. creepy like creep way. <laughs>
0: anyway, <laughs> <laughs> talk about backhanded compliments. <laughs> Poor Adrian Gillen, I'm the
1: queen of those. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, so that was that was the connection. Was that he played? Actually, we should have done a little bit more Googling before we did that episode because not only was he high neck and we could have included that in there, but also I mentioned Betty and Barney Hill, which were an American couple in the 60s, I think, who were abducted by aliens. And that's a fascinating story. And I've just started listening to a serialized podcast about them. But well, let's rip it off and do it ourselves. <laughs> do, do you know? <laughs> Great idea. But you remember, I remember I, I, I said something about the Zeta Reticuli. In, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Comet Ping Pong. <laughs> well, apparently that was what their whole thing was called, the Zeta Reticuli incident, because that is where they were taken. What the fuck? That's what they claim. Well, obviously we need to do a bit more deep diving, but oh, bless you. Good to see you're putting your face space. What was the other one? Hands, eyes, space, face, or whatever it is. Our government have an ad. Hands, space, face. That's the ad. <laughs> Wash your hands. Give people well, no, space. A, that, cover that your face.
1: Old, but that's the old sneeze into the crook of the elbow trick. Well, no, it was very good. Yeah. What was the Aussie? Well. What was
0: the Aussie one? Slip, slap, slop. Oh, slip, slop, slap. Ah. Uh, Slip on, t- slip on a slip shirt, on a shirt, slap on sunscreen, and slop on. You got it wrong.
1: That's not right. Uh, slip, slop, slap. Slip, slop, and, slap. And do you remember Norm it's had a, a shirt?
0: Duck.
1: Slip on a shirt, slop on sunscreen, and slap <laughs> on a <her> hat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i do a love a health i love a health fr- um slogan that's norm yeah. was a different guy he was a big purple haired couch potato in the 70s yeah. who um they were trying to get people off their sofas and it was called life be in it oh that's be right. in it today, today live, lore live of more of your
1: life <laughs> lore of your li- talk about
0: getting things wrong i also called brian coxton an astrologer. You did. I didn't want to mention that at the time.
1: (laughs) I let you go. It's like you're texting. I just let it go now.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, listen, anyway, today's podcast, we didn't do a lot of research because this is actually a story that was sent to us by a really good friend of mine. And you know her now as well, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. She... This is where the super normal comes into it. There's nothing super supernatural about what she went through, but definitely super normal. And basically, she survived. She's Maybe. a survivor. She's a survivor. She sent me a mess, uh, a letter, that I'm going to read out.
1: Fantastic.
0: Is that all right? Um, she sent it under the hashtag of "fuck Linda's got cancer." Oh Jesus. Yeah. And she said to me. I really struggled to actually sit down and write about this. I said yes straight away when you put the call out for people's stories, experiences, etc. I was in. But when it comes to going back in time and revisiting a really dark place, talk is cheap. I guess the reason I did finally sit down to write about this is because if for a moment I can help someone who is experiencing something similar and she's keen to point out here, Michelle, not the same, it's never the same. Everybody's journey is different. And she is very, very aware of that. Back to Linda's voice. Then I have done the right thing and for that I am happy. Do you know what? I think it's really brave of her because, as you know,
1: um, I've had a few people in my life uh, who've had cancer and it really, when they talk about it, it throws them right back into that dark place. So good on you, Linda, for having the the courage and the balls to to put pen to paper because it does it can take you down a dark wormhole so exactly all righty let's
0: let's hear okay this particular aspect of my story and i say that deliberately because my story is longer than this one thing and i really want people to remember that i am not just a woman battling breast cancer i'm a wife mother daughter sister cousin friend teacher and i am not the sum of that one thing it's true which is true
1: and none of it none of us are but i think when, when you have an illness it throws it, it must can define throw. you yeah it really can
0: so my story begins on the 14th of May 2018 I had just returned home from a fantastic holiday to Vietnam and Cambodia with my sister for her 50th birthday I had received an injury at work and she doesn't say what that injury is but I know she works or still works in she works now in the high school that we went to as teenagers. But <laughs> before that, she was at the other the other one. I believe that a student threw a rubbish bin at her, like one of those great big metal <laughs> fucking bins what the fuck? hurled it at her. So she's Jesus being, she's playing that down. Yeah. So she oh received God, a little
1: bit One it flew over the cookies nest. <laughs> well, that's hell? what it's like
0: working with. Well, I shouldn't say that really. Teenagers are lovely they're just expressing themselves anyway she received this injury at work about 18 months previously and had seen so many specialists about the pain I was experiencing in my left shoulder back to Linda sorry I flipped in and out of Linda's voice then I knew you I knew you were Linda sorry about that. channeling Linda so she's got a bad shoulder basically from a bin being hurled at her back to Linda it had become so bad that I really struggled to write on the board at work, which, as you can imagine, is an issue for a teacher. I had to either hold my left arm up with my right to write or get kids, students, sorry, to write stuff for me. I was scheduled to see a shoulder surgeon about a shoulder reconstruction when I asked my doctor if I could have an MRI. Now, clever thinking here, guys. Just okay. take This is the bit where you pin this and think, next time you have an ongoing injury, fucking get an MRI mm. and then get another one. She asked for another, she asked for an MRI before she went because she knew that the surgeon would require one and didn't want to waste any more time as the pain was horrendous, indescribable and unrelenting. Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that she couldn't even write on the on the blackboard. I know, that, that's
1: intense.
0: Yeah. So she asks for this MRI, clever girl. So her GP said, sure, they're expensive, but you're right. So well done, Linda, for doing that. I should have known something. This is Linda's voice. What, something wasn't right that day. I scheduled my MRI and went in harassed, irritated and in pain, looking at the clock to get back to work. When I got home from work that afternoon, my son said, your doctor's been ringing you. You need to call them. I did and missed my GP, but was told to come in before work on Monday morning. Already your blood's running cold, right? Oh, my God.
1: Because no, they don't call you straight up like that
0: unless something's wrong. I'm going to segue out of this story, for just for a second, to a much more light-hearted medical emergency that I thought I had once. Michelle and you were there for me on the other end of the phone when I went for uh, a battery of, you know, when you first get into a relationship and you go and have all the sexual health checkups. Well, mm-hmm. I did that, and then my doctor. The doctor's surgeon no the doctor's reception receptionist called me one afternoon at work and I was just about to leave and go and go to this uh exhibition with my boyfriend now husband and they this woman rang and said you need to you need to talk to the doctor about your test results and I was like um okay why she said I can't tell you I said, please, can you tell me because I am shitting myself right now. What have I got? What's wrong with me? And the way she said it was really conspiratorial and was really scaring me. And I was like, please tell me. And she said, oh, no, I shouldn't tell you. I said, you have to. You can't leave me hanging like this. She said, all right, you've got chlamydia. And I was like, "What? What?" I the? was so panicked. Don't you remember <laughs> oh, this? Then I called I do. you. This is ringing bells. You googled it for me, or whatever you did back back then. You did all the research for me. Said, "Listen, Geordie, you don't have to worry. It's going to be fine." You know. And, and I said to the woman, "Just get that doctor to call me the minute he comes out of whatever he's doing." So eventually, about an hour later, and I'm crying. I'm in pieces. I don't know what to tell my boyfriend. What a nightmare. Uh, She calls back and the doctor called back and said, I hear you wanted to talk to me about your results. And I said, yeah, I do. Actually, I'm really, really upset and I'm really worried. And I broke down and he said, I don't know why. It's only candida. It's a bit of thrush. And I was like, (laughs) what? That's not what your receptionist said. So she got in trouble and I got off the hook with a couple of pessaries. I was fine.
1: Well, do you know what? That reminds me of a story, which I will tell you after Linda's story, because Medical misinformation. It can be very
0: dangerous.
1: Really fucking dangerous. And I've yeah. got a story about Jen. Okay. Oh gosh. Okay. We'll come back to that. <sighs> Continue, <sighs> Linda. We're back
0: to where Linda gets her. Um, she's trying desperately to talk to the GP, but he says to cut. He says to come back in on Monday morning before. Honestly, work.
1: but how the fuck can they? It's leave a nice weekend for her. Weekend. For her, weekend. Isn't it? Honestly, I would be fucking mortified yeah i'd be scared i wouldn't be able to sleep no i'd be anxious when you're in that much pain the worst yeah, yeah of course
0: of course yeah so here she is back on monday morning i again arrived at the doctor's rushed harassed coffee in hand impatient to get to work the receptionist offers me offered me a cup of tea what the fuck i'm like no i haven't got time for that in and my i've got mind. a coffee in my hand i've got a coffee in my hand can't <laughs> you see in my mind, I'm thinking I'm a working mother. I've got shit to do. Well, then the bomb was dropped. I have a massive tumour in my shoulder, on my scapula, and glen- glenoid, or glenoid? I'm not sure what that is. I'm sorry. My mind starts to race. Well, it's not cancer. I feel fine. I've just got a sore shoulder. I was then sent to have, a full, to have full body scans, a mammogram, all sorts of stuff to see if it was firstly, was it cancer? And secondly, was it the only cancer? I sat. Fr- I know. I sat frozen in the chair while all this is being arranged. I had this hot feeling taking over my body, and I felt suddenly sick. I grabbed the doctor's bin and promptly threw up in it.
1: Oh my oh god, Linda! You Linda. poor thing. I did that one day after work. Did, well, what? after a work party, went crawled back into the office and threw up in the bin under my desk.
0: <laughs> I hope there was a bin liner in it. No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I was one of those moving mesh. Moving on. It was a mesh what?
1: bin. Do you know what? Doctor, he should have known that was coming. You yes. can't just drop some fucking bombshell like that
0: and not oh, expect. Yeah, He's exactly. a cool reaction. Exactly.
1: I'm with you, Linda.
0: So she chucks in the bin. Then I rang work and when I was put through to my boss, I couldn't speak and then the tears started. Fucking oh, hell, Linda. <laughs> my husband was on a motorbike trip around Australia and was therefore away. I told my son, my mum and a girlfriend who was a nurse – I was still very positive that it wasn't going to be anything too serious as I wasn't sick at all. No symptoms. I kept telling myself it's fine, just a benign tumour. I went to the radiology place, started the process of drinking horrible stuff, injections, scans, then had to go and have the mammogram while waiting for the dye and drinks to work so that I could have the next round of scans. I had the mammogram and the lady asked me to have a seat but to not put my bra back on. As I sat there, I felt it, a huge, hard mass as big as my hand. Where? On her bo- in her boobs.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I have very large breasts, and it turns out that it was very far back and had started to grow towards the front, and that's why I hadn't felt it before. So she, she's now touching that thing. She can feel it. Fucking hell.
1: Yeah. Oh, my that's God. That's when your stomach flips,
0: right? Yeah. The, ra- the radiographer came back in and said, there is a large mass. And I said, here, and she nodded. Oh god. Oh god. I had to wait another 2 hours before my other scans to see where else the breast cancer had spread. As I sat in my car crying hysterically, the universe stepped in. My phone rang. When I answered it, it was one of my very close friends who no longer lives in my area. She said, "Why are you answering?" I was going to leave a message to come straight home. I'm here visiting and wanted to surprise you. So she was at this friend was at her house. God, Okay. She hung up the phone. I hung up the phone and 20 minutes later, she was sitting next to me, her friend, with a cuppa and tissues. She held my hand through the rest of the tests. I didn't want to worry my husband. He was on the trip of a lifetime, but I knew I couldn't do this by myself. And I called him and said, I need you to come home, which, of course, he did. Riding from North Queensland in two days. Yes, that's far. With two mates to make sure he got here okay.
1: Fucking hell. He must have been beside himself yes, as well. Yes, I know. You well, know. So so basically she's got two tumors that they know of. Yeah.
0: At this Shoulder point. And Shoulder boob. and breast. Yeah. Boob. Yeah. <laughs> breast. <laughs> Otherwise known as Boob-do. boobs. Yeah. Before John arrived home, I had an appointment with an oncologist, cancer specialist, for those of you who don't know. Michelle, that's for you. I know that. I know. (laughs) I sat there nervous, hopeful, and he offered me palliative care. What the fuck? I know. Straight away. Straight up? Yep. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. That's fucking. End of life care. Yes, but that is outrageous. Yep. So she's just sitting here thinking, okay, so what do we do? Oh, my God. He says, go home and get your affairs in order.
1: Oh my God, I'm so sorry, but yep. that is a—that is basically giving her a fucking death sentence. I know. He should be hauled over the fucking coals and struck off the register for that bullshit. You can't treat patients like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sorry, I'm really angry about yeah. that. Yeah, well oh luckily it was
0: Linda and she has a fire in her belly, as you'll find Good. out. I was dumbfounded, again not sick, no symptoms, just a sore shoulder, I had planned that the next year would be a bit shit while I had my treatment. My girlfriend's had planned fabulous earrings and scarves for me, not hooped. I don't want to look like a pirate.
1: And then <laughs> I would get on
0: with it. <laughs> Raise money for breast cancer or something that would, and that would be that. Well, no, he informs me that I have stage four cancer. And guess what, um, Michelle? I thought that there was a stage five and six. I didn't know that that's the top end. There's, there's okay. nothing past stage four. So he tells Linda she's got stage four cancer, which means it cannot be cured, and therefore I should get my affairs in order and enjoy the rest of my life, which will probably be less than two years. Oh my fucking God. She's a teenage son.
1: Oh my god. Honestly, my my I, I feel like I've got goosebumps yeah. on my arms from this because mm-hmm. I mean obviously we know there's a happy ending to this, but we do. I just can't even fucking imagine being told no. that.
0: It could be and has been for other people's stories. The worst case scenario. But luckily, Linda, I mean, this is why I love her so much. You'll find out there's more. Back to Linda. Again, the heat starts to rise. I feel physically sick, but I'm also angry. I remind him that I'm well, I have no symptoms, I'm young and have a family. He starts telling me about statistics. Oh, fuck off statistics. Exactly. I tell him I'm not a statistic, I'm a human and that I'm not dying for fuck's sake. (gasps)
1: go Linda Go, Linda.
0: I then let him know that he's not for me and I come home to see my GP get a list of oncologists and surgeons make back to back appointments and interview them all then I hear the same story the same heated sick feeling everywhere I go my husband who is probably one of the politest people I know became increasingly angry and rude until my last appointment Dr David Long who is now my very dear friend and saviour read my notes looked at me cocked his head to the side and said, I had it all worked out what I was going to say to you, but you know what? I think you're a bit of an anomaly. I think you are young, fit, perfectly healthy, aside from the cancer bit, no organs involved. While it is said you can't cure stage four cancer, I think we can treat you with a curative, curative, hang on. Curative? (laughs) Thank you. Approach, and who knows, it might work. What have you got to lose? Fucking love you, David Long. A little ray of light comes shining through.
1: But you know what? Good on her for just going She went doctor to doctor to doctor. Yeah. And finding someone who believed, believed what she believed, which is I'm not fucking sick enough to be planning my funeral. Exactly.
0: Oh, my God. Finally, someone who saw me as a person, not a statistic, and who was willing to take the punt. David, Dr Long. It says L E O N G. I'm pronouncing it long because I think that's how you pronounce it. Is that right? Leung. 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 Dr. Leung. Dr. Leung. Dr. Leung. Then put together a team of the best breast cancer specialists in the country and we got to work. Nearly three years down the track, I'm still here. Most importantly, I have not had any disease progression. I have scans every three months. I see the oncologist every month and I take pills every day. I am lucky. One month after being diagnosed, a new drug was released for people with stage four cancer. So she's on this Fuck. drug. Mm. And <gasps> it's she, not great. Is she
1: part of a trial or?
0: I think it had been trialed, but then it was okay. released. It had just oh, been released. Okay, like, okay, she okay. was just, it was like the universe aligned for her. Absolutely. Now, the drug isn't fun. It's not fun for her. None of them. And all. I think three weeks out of, I get it wrong all the time. I'm going to say it wrong. But it's about every three weeks or something she has to have a week on. Or maybe it's a week on, two weeks off, and she's very sick for that time. But she manages, you know, and it's better than yeah. the alternative.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and she's, she's a
0: little Aussie battler. She she's, sure is. She's strong, strong-minded. I have had breast surgery, soldier surgery, a hysterectomy to put me into menopause to make me eligible for this drug. I have had radiation therapy and take a chemo-like drug. I won't go into the science of it all. It's too much to take in. And if it's not your struggle, you'll forget anyway. But it's all pretty amazing. Yes, there are side effects, but they all beat dying. So I suck it up and get on with it. When I look back at this time, I find that my mind does not dwell on the trauma. But I looked back at some things that I wrote at the time and I am reminded that I was devastated, a highly overused word, I believe, but I was. Shit scared, highly emotional, grief stricken, grieving the life I thought I would have and devastated, there it is again, about the life I would have to live. I was heartbroken for my family that they had to be dragged through this pile of crap. I fought every day to stop myself from drowning in self pity and to stop myself from spreading it to everyone I came into contact with. I clearly remember being so scared that they would cut away at me until there was nothing left of the old me but my sister reminded me that I am more than that and there is more to me than this. The fear of no future was overwhelming, even though I do love a good dystopian story. This was too much. The fear for my family, I could see them unraveling, and the overwhelming sense of guilt because it was me causing it. I still struggle with mother guilt. I really feel like I let my son down at a time when it should have been all about him. I know it affected his schooling, his friendships, and his mental health he went from being a happy young man to an angry one and that still rears its ugly head occasionally. He began engaging in risk-taking behaviour which led to a near overdose of illicit drugs. The relationship between my son and his dad started to break down because they were so angry and they took it out on each other. My oncology social worker said this is very common and that many families break down irrevocably. Again, I am lucky we were able to pull it back together. So it's not just your fucking health which is under fire in this process it's your it's other people it's the people around you it's your family unit gets destroyed can get can be destroyed it's terrible
1: well that's the thing isn't it you never know how people are going to react and even though linda's had you know a miraculous outcome it's ongoing Mm. it's ongoing and that doesn't mean that the anxiety and the stress ever stops for her or for the family because i guess You're living with an illness where you just have to get on and make the most of every day because you don't know about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is promised to no one. Absolutely, yeah. So it really can take a toll. Fuck. Linda, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, you and your family have pulled
0: through, but Mm -hmm. fucking tough times. Trauma, yeah. If you have a friend or family member who faces something like this, I have a list of things. That are not helpful.
1: <laughs> I would love to hear this because <laughs> I'm actually going through something at the moment with a friend and I often wonder, am I saying the wrong thing? Am I texting the wrong thing? Yeah. It's really tough. So I would love some advice. Well,
0: I believe in times like this it's best to just speak from the heart and forget about what you're supposed to say and maybe just maybe be a little bit careful. But Linda has really laid it out perfectly for you. Here we go. Things that are not helpful. Telling them to be strong. They probably are and don't need to be reminded. Thank you. Yeah. Telling them to be positive. Get fucked. What do you know? <laughs> they will oscillate from strength to weaknesses. Let them, and if it's too much, shut your mouth and go home. Good advice. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Sharing your sta- sad, tragic story of whoever you know who died from cancer. We all know cancer kills, especially someone that has it. Don't say to a cancer patient or someone who's who's been diagnosed, "Oh, I knew someone who got cancer too." Yeah, it uh, turns out he died. Why? <laughs> well, yeah, she did not want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Oh, yeah, well, he lasted a couple of years. She doesn't want to hear that.
1: They don't want to no hear that. No one wants to hear that. No, I I thought I I took it a different way. I thought you meant like. Bring up your cancer survivor story like, you know, don't worry, hang
0: in there. Minimising it, trying to compare it to the flu.
1: Oh, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) Your sore toe or whatever shit you're whining about today. For fuck's sake. Now, Are you joking? Who the fuck would do that? Well, I imagine that she wouldn't have put it in here had she not experienced it. Experienced it. (laughs) Which horrifies me. Sorry, Linda. No, but you know what?
1: I know there are moaning minis out there. Like, you can you can have the most horrific, tragic story and then they'll like, oh, yeah, it's been
0: me. My toe night. hurts.
1: Yeah, and you're like, oh, go fuck yourself. Anyway.
0: <laughs> or what about this one? Telling someone that you might have it too or are more likely to get it than them. I have it, fuckwit, just to be relevant or some <laughs> such bullshit. You don't know till you know. And be careful oh what God. you wish for.
1: Oh, my
0: God. Who even says that?
1: Do these well, people have brain have cells? <laughs> I might have it too. Oh,
0: that's okay because I might have it. So we've got it together. That is fucking I haven't got ridiculous. the diagnosis but, I mean, who says that? Anyway. Linda,
1: who are you hanging out with? I hope <laughs> it's Stop students it now. who said this bullshit.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Here's some things that are helpful. Laughter. Surround yourself with people who make you laugh, not dismissing the seriousness, but who can see the very black, funny side of life. Yes. Cry. I like this one. When you need to, with who you need to. Good idea. Just cry but, it out. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with crying or bursting into tears when you're talking to someone. I, I don't have a problem with that.
1: No, and I think you have to have it as a, as a release valve. You have yeah. to just bawl your fucking eyes out if that's, that's what you need to do. You've got to get exactly. it out.
0: I think we've always been uh, conditioned to not show your emotions like that because it makes you look weak. But fuck that. If I want to cry when I'm talking to someone, I'll just cry.
1: I think there literally is not a day that goes by where I don't have a tear. I have don't have a tear. Have a tear. Cut? Nah. But I cry every day, I would say. Yeah. And about bullshit things too. About yeah. like some kind of um okay, I, I mean I cry I cry at bake off, you know, just stupid shit. It's <laughs> happy not things sad things make crying. me cry too. Yeah, I cry. Yes. At, I cry at
0: happy things, emotional things. I'm always got I'm always having a tear. Having a anyway. tear. Listen actively. Pay attention, don't judge, and don't voice those judgments. Keep them to yourself.
1: That's a very good idea. That's life lesson,
0: actually. Absolutely. Thanks for that one, Linda. That's life advice. Be present. If you're with that person, be with them. Make a day out of doctor's appointments. Make it normal or even fun. That's a nice idea. Ooh.
1: But that also kind of um, feeds into the, you know, surround yourself with people who can make you laugh. Yeah, absolutely. You know, who can see the lighter side or can take you to the lighter side when you're feeling Uh around in the darkness.
0: Because everything's changed, hasn't it, for you, for your whole life. Suddenly, one day you're feeling like, oh, I've got a sore shoulder. Next day, you've got this fucking great big guillotine above your head.
1: Cannot even imagine. Yeah, it would be awful. So
0: that's why you need the people around you to make it normal, make it okay, you know, because everything has changed. Your life will be different now. Yep. Hug them. There is nothing better than physically showing your love and support. Of course,
1: but when you're so far away, you just gotta send a an emoji.
0: Absolutely, I guess. <laughs> or touch elbows now. Oh, you can't even do that now, can you? I can't in my in this country. You can't do. Oh, guess what? You know it's snowing. There was apparently uh, Boris, our uh, buffoon of a prime minister. Sorry, Boris, but you are. Said you are. You can go and make snowmen, but only outside. What the fuck? Who's
1: making a snowman inside? I'm sorry. Just to
0: reiterate, we are in lockdown. Fucking knob. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Another thing that's helpful: talk about it or other stuff, whatever the mood brings. That's That's her top tips.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I struggle with that at the moment because my friend doesn't want to talk. Right, it's too much. And I. keep offering the opportunity but or equally I can't
0: push no you can't if they don't want to talk then no, you, you can't force no
1: it. no and and like Linda said at the beginning you know this is her journey everyone's journey is different you mm-hmm. know same cancer different journey yeah, you know
0: exactly Jesus. so this is Linda again I live in a relatively small community and I have a very public job so it pretty quickly became known that I have breast cancer The support of family, friends, colleagues and the community generally were amazing and an extremely humbling experience for me. My friends and family were and continue to be amazing. They love me, they celebrate with me, cry with me and pick me up when I need it. What a blessing. Three years down the line, how do I feel? Well, that is complicated. I have moments of anger and being generally pissed off, especially when I'm sitting in a hospital waiting room with elderly sick people around me and I ask myself, what am I doing here? They look at me and think, what's she doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't look sick. It annoys me that I must spend time on this crap. Like an old person when I'm not and shouldn't have to. But really, I do.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm uncomfortable when acquaintances ask me questions or make statement like, statements like, oh, you look great. Are you back at work yet? I never left work. I was blessed to have been supported to come and go as I needed to. That's, that's
1: fantastic. The school was behind. her like that.
0: The other kicker is, so look at you. You look great. So pleased you are all over all of that. I know that is not from understanding, but I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. I've learnt to nod and say, yeah, it's great. I know. I think I read that badly, but basically people saying, oh, look how oh, it looks like you've really kicked it. Well done. You're all better now. Off you trot. For for Linda to
1: have to say, well, actually, I'm still doing this, still doing that, it's it's no fun to have that conversation. So I can see why she just nods and just goes, yeah, yeah, fuck,
0: fuck off. Bye-bye. Moving along, yeah. Yep. The relentlessness of constant drug cycles, scans, blood oh. tests and doctor's visits gets me down. I'm sick of it, but I have no choice. So I just do it and try not to complain. Too much.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sick of feeling sick because I wasn't sick before. It's the drugs that make me sick. But again, I just pop another pill to fix the effects of the other pill. This is really against my idea of life. I've never been a pill taker, legal or illicit. But now I'm like, bring it on. If it will fix whatever I need fixing. Exactly. Yeah. Fatigue is real. Never thought that before, but it is. It's different from being tired. It's tiredness that gets into your bones and muscles and it's shit. Can you imagine just that feeling of exhaustion? Mm.
1: You, you know, And you know that it's... And you've got like, oh. things to
0: do and you think like, oh, why can't I get out of bed or yeah, off yeah, the sofa? But even,
1: but even more than that, like I wonder if that has a, a mental effect, you know, the, the physical fatigue and just if you're in a weak moment,
0: I wonder if that just really fucking zaps you. I bet it does, yeah. So there's a lot of struggling daily by the sound of it. What I have learnt along the way, what have I learnt along the way? Again, it's complicated, but also simple. I no longer sweat the small shit. If my house isn't tidy or my hair's not done and I get visitors, great. I have quieted that nasty voice in my head that said I was never good enough, smart enough, thin enough, never enough. That voice is gone. It's all shit. People either love you or they don't. The rest is crap. I am more definitive in my decisions. It's either hell yeah or fuck no. I love that. Uh, Me too. That Again, that is life advice. Absolutely. I no longer do things out of guilt, obligation, or because I'm scared that opportunity won't arise again. Maybe I wasn't meant to do it. Or if it's for me, it will arise again. I stop chasing things, money, career, whatever. I've got a great life and I don't need the rest.
1: Oh, God. And do you know what? She's alive Mm -hmm. she is alive and I bet you that just puts everything into the most perspective yeah the most clear perspective you've ever had in your whole life I mean I've I've been very blessed and never had a a health scare like that but you know obviously people around me have Mm. and yeah it does make you fucking think Reevaluate what's important yeah what's important to me and once you once you know what's important to you, that's what you focus on. And yep. it looks like that's what Linda's doing.
0: It's, it's a, great, a great example to us all. I have learned to live with death. We all die. I may just die earlier than I expected. I'm not a spiritual person and I really think faith would help, but I don't have it, never have. However, I also believe that our lives are about our relationships with people. So while you are alive in their memories, you live on. We are all lost in history eventually, whether you were an emperor or a serf. Death is ever present in my life. However, it used to be right in front of me. Then it was on my shoulder and I carried it around. Now it follows me and I can live with that. I just move faster. Oh, Linda. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. My pharmacist, obviously you form a close bond with these medical guys, oh, Jesus! asked me today how I stay happy all the time. He said, I inspire him. I was really uncomfortable because I'm not happy all the time. That's weird. But I do consciously try to be optimistic. There is no secret. The glass is half full. That's who I am. I chose to be as happy as I can be. I get up every day. I go out. I live while I'm alive. If I don't, it wins. And... It's a waste,
1: you know. She's been given a second chance.
0: Exactly. Well,
1: she fought for a second chance. Well, my she God. made
0: that happen, absolutely. She could have just gone home and would have been dead within two years. We wouldn't have her to tell her story now.
1: But oh, thank God she God. has
0: that spirit inside her.
1: Oh, God. Amazing, Linda. Honestly, you're an inspiration to us all. Yeah. Really? Oh, fantastic story. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks,
0: Linda. So
1: really, she's achieved so much in such a short period of time. She has. She really has. And I think, you know, one of the the takeaway messages from this is her positivity, her mental strength through all of that. Even though she says, you know, it's up and down and she doesn't feel happy all the time. And, you know, she's
0: strong. She's really strong. And you don't have to have cancer or a life-threatening disease to put all of those things that she's written about there into your life, like right now would be a great time to start actively letting your emotions out as and when you need. Yeah, of course. And just
1: understanding what's important to you and not giving a fuck about what people think about you. Hell yeah.
0: Or fuck no. I like it.
1: Hell yeah. Fuck no. And not caring about obligation. If you don't want to do it, don't fucking do it. Yeah. You know, it seems harder than it is, but when you've got well, when you've had a potential death sentence right in front of you and then you've like kicked it to the curb, yeah, I can imagine you just go, fuck it, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. Totally. So, yeah. tell me what happened to Jen? Was she all right? <laughs> <laughs> Did she have a shock? Oh, god. Well, so I hope Jen's all right with me talking about this. Um, <laughs> Jen's a cancer survivor. I knew that you you remember this. Yeah, you you were hearing all about it at the time. So, Jen back in uh, twenty fourteen, Jen had cancer.
0: Was it that long ago now? Yeah, time flies. Wow, <laughs>
1: time flies when you're a cancer survivor. And um, yeah, she she I think sort of had a feeling that something wasn't. Right, and you know, went to the doctor and, and she got diagnosed with cancer and I remember at the time and I shouldn't be laughing about cancer because it's not a funny subject, but it's Jen. Um If you don't laugh, you cry. It's true. Um yeah, she I remember when she said she had cancer, loads of her friends said, Oh, you know, Jen, it's all those ciggies. She's like, I haven't got lung cancer, I've got colon cancer And so <laughs> So she's like, all these people, just because I'm a smoker. And she's there puffing away, loves her ziggies, smoked throughout the whole cancer treatment. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she gave it up while she was in the hospital, but afterwards, straight back on the fags. Anyway, um, got to do what you love, don't you? That's but, right. If you love a fag. Yeah. So anyway, she had colon cancer and it was really very serious. Mm. Really, really very serious. She was touch and go at quite a few points throughout the treatment but uh going back to sort of uh medical uh mishaps she went she was she had to have radiation and it was her first radiation treatment and she'd gone to the clinic and she was sitting there and they called her up "Jenny Jenny are you here?" Yep, come through. So she went there, lay on the on the bench and the nurses putting everything on like all the stuff and Anyway, this radiation machine comes and it points at her head. And mum said, excuse me, um, why is this at my head? And they went, oh, it's okay, Jenny. It's because you've got brain cancer. And mum said, what the fuck? I don't have brain cancer. I've got colon cancer. And they said, wrong end, love. Well, they're like, are you Jenny Jones? And she's like, no. And they're like, oh, God. just. <laughs> so called the wrong Jenny in for the wrong oh. fucking radiation treatment. <laughs> oh. So they could have radiated poor Jen's brain. Anyway. Imagine that. I know. But luckily she spoke up for herself because a lot of, you know, people certainly of her age bracket, That's they the have thing. this doctor
0: doctor knows best they mentality. They trust, trust, trust. Yeah. That's like Linda didn't and she went ahead yep. and asked for more, you know. So it really does pay to know a little bit about the inside of your body, what it should look like double check, maybe, you know, ask for second Get opinions. Second opinions. So yeah. But saying that, you know, our medical professionals are doing a great job right now. Yes, they Occasionally do. Occasionally there are things that will slip through the net. But uh, like radiating <laughs> someone's brain <laughs> <laughs> or getting their receptionist to tell you that you have chlamydia. Oh but God. You just have you have to work with them. You can't just sit back and relax and say, Okay, you're the professional, you take care of it. You need to have a little bit of You need to take control of your own health. Look,
1: you say that, but I just went through a situation recently where um, Andreas' father was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, he's in Sweden and he's in the Swedish system. Now, when Jen had cancer, I ended up going to Australia and I was in the hospital with her um, throughout, well, for probably about, Nearly six to eight weeks. I was there every single day, going to the hospital. Jen, I love you, but you were a bit tricky sometimes <laughs> in the hospital. <laughs> and uh and you know, I would go in there every day with boxes of chocolates for the nurses, bags of little like Cadburys, Easter eggs, and things. Was, I think it was around that time. And just you know, I would I would say, oh, "I'm so sorry. I know mum mum could be difficult." And they'd be like, "Ah, oh, we'll take the chocolates, but don't worry, she's fine." And then one day, the nurse actually pulled me aside and said, "Listen." We do love that you bring these chocolates every day, but Jen is fantastic. She is a fighter. Yes, she can be a pain in the bum because, for example, uh, the lady in the bed next to her brought in a bunch of flowers and uh, some kind of fly must have come in with the (laughs) flowers. So she asked me to bring a fly swat in. So I did. Anyway, I then hear rumours from the nurses she had the fly swat she was swatting the doctors get away from me I don't want to take that pill
0: she's you know she was, she used it as a weapon and she got you she to did. bring it in under false pretenses
1: yeah and then honestly one day I, was, I remember sitting there and uh, the nurse came and she said hi Jen are you okay have you got any pain and she looked at me and she went yeah her and I was like mom <laughs> so mom had a lot of fight in her and this is yeah. what the the nurse said she said listen We'll take your chocolates, but you know your mom has so much fight in her, and we much prefer that she has a fighting spirit than the lady mm. in the next bed who has just given up, who's right. ready to die. So you know, like go Jen. You know she was yeah. she was not giving up. She was fighting this cancer, and and, Jen. Uh, and but the thing is, you know, there were things that went wrong. Like I I remember. Being in the emergency because they had actually told me she was fine. We took her home and it was the most terrifying fucking night of my life.
0: I remember this. Yes.
1: Yeah. And they they said, oh, she can go home. And I said, listen, I'm not a nurse. I'm not a carer. I don't feel equipped to be able to, to deal with something if something goes wrong. And, of course, took her home and it did go wrong. And I had to make a call really fucking quickly about what to do and ended up taking her uh later that evening i went i realized she was slipping slipping <gasps> away oh, shit uh, taking her into the hospital and um and they had said if you hadn't have brought her in she wouldn't have made it oh my the god michelle and that's a big fucking responsibility for someone who's not a nurse Mm -hmm. you know with no training and they I remember they were trying to intubate her and I was looking at her they were putting it down the wrong way she Mm. couldn't breathe I had to scream in the emergency room what are you doing stop it she can't breathe and they
0: traumatic oh
1: god you know there's just so many things but my whole point of saying all of this is that mum was really lucky that she had somebody there advocating for her every day yeah yeah but otherwise and you know I was there like well yeah but the thing is like I was there like my with my phone taking um pictures every day of her notes on the end of her bed okay. and googling like what they'd done medications you know getting myself really up to speed so this was my experience so then when Andreas's father was diagnosed with cancer I I was like right you got to ask this question, this question, blah, 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 blah. Like, I had this whole list of stuff. And Andreas was just like, listen, that's not how we do it in Sweden. We just trust that the medical professionals oh. know what they're doing. I was like, whoa, okay. And I really thought, fuck, I need to back off here. And I was like, okay, yeah, apologies, sorry. And I let, let them do it their way. He sailed through that operation. Oh. Everything went well. He has had the most miraculous recovery. And I don't know if it's a different system, a different cultural experience. I don't know if it's just the Swedish medical system, but yeah. I came from the opposite end of the spectrum. And I mean, you know, like mum had a great outcome and and so did um, Andreas' dad. But they got there in two very different ways. Absolutely. And yeah, it was a real lesson wow, to me. Wow, that, that is I can't, interesting. Yeah, I can't put my experience of of my mum's and back to Linda. Everyone's journey is different. I yeah. couldn't put that my experience onto Andreas's father's experience, and that was actually a real lesson for me. That I <laughs> back to Jen. I remember um, when I went back. Two years ago, I think it was when, uh, and I took Mum on the cruise. That was then, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, when we were both in Australia. Yeah. So I, you know, Mum had survived cancer. She's great, by the way. You know, she's doing so well. She survived cancer, and she really wanted to go on a cruise. So I took Jan on a cruise. Cruising. <laughs> a cruise, and so anyway, you know, there's, they have all this like onboard entertainment on on your cruise cruise ship. That, that's classic. And, yeah, classic. And it's like, I mean, you know what? Like, you just have to go with the flow. Like, it's it's all good fun. And uh, – Did you find yourself we, doing the
0: samba with any 70-year-olds, Michelle?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> but we did go to the singles night. There was Oof. only
0: ladies there.
1: Oh, okay. Thank goodness. Mom, I know. Mum was like, put on this lipstick for nothing. Anyway. Oh, um, so she was
0: hunting for a man. <laughs> yeah. Hoping hey, for an, op- an octogenarian. She's a
1: cancer. She's, she's ready to roll. But – um. But yeah, we went to this comedy night and uh, there was a dude there who was the comedian and he was a cancer survivor. And I think he'd had was testicular cancer. Act? Yeah, his whole act was all about, I survived testicular cancer. And we were sitting there and mum's like, it's not funny. Oh, I had that. That oh. happened to me. And I'm like, Mom, <laughs> come on, just like go, go with it. Anyway, to my surprise, afterwards, she said, oh, let's go down and meet him. Because in the end, she's like, oh, he was all right. He was alright. He was a bit funny. I've, so she went down. She's like, "Hi, I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor too." That was her chat and, up line. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so she she said to him, "Oh yeah, you know, um, liked your show." And I thought, "No, you bloody didn't." But anyway, uh, and he said, "Oh, you know, congratulations on being a survivor too. What cancer do you did you have?" And she turned to me and she's like, "I don't remember what cancer did I have." <laughs> and, she just didn't even didn't remember, know. and I was like, "Mom, colorectal," and she's like, "Oh yes, that's right." So, you know, she sort of—maybe she didn't want to say that it was colorectal. No, she literally didn't remember. I think. Oh, okay. I think just... she just. Oh, I mean, maybe they did radiate a brain. No, it's sorry, Jen. They—they they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, she just didn't remember, and she's just funny. But I mean, hats off to her. She really yeah. has had a fantastic recovery, and well done, um, Jen. Yeah, you know, and actually brought us closer together. Yeah, when, it sounds when like we it. Were, when we were in the hospital going through the dark days together. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm glad she's still here. And Yes. Honestly, it's nice, she's, isn't it? she's listening away on. to every yeah. episode of <laughs> Ooze Dropping. Didn't like Q and QAnon, but that's all right, Jen. You,
0: you live to tell the tale. <laughs> well, I hope she enjoys this episode. It might be as serious as cancer, but that's why rhythm is a dancer.
1: And there you go. There you go. But yes, for anyone who's had cancer touch their lives, it's really fucking serious. Yeah. You know, it's the other C word. But What's the the
0: first one? COVID.
1: (laughs) See you next Tuesday. Oh, see you next Tuesday. (laughs) Of course. But yeah, it's, it's tough for anyone going through it. Family. And I mean, obviously, that's the only perspective that I come from is being an observer and like I said I've got a friend who who's going through the aftermath of losing someone to cancer and it's really fucking tough and I half the time don't know what to say and and half the time I like you say I just shoot from the hip and try and make a laugh but then you think am I belittling the situation mm. am I not giving it the gravity it needs but then I think you know laughter is the best medicine, if that's Try, all you've got to give that's all i've got i i I can't go to Australia, and even give her a hug, yeah, fucking Covid bullshit mm. right now, so it's tough times, but yes, you know, Linda, I'm sending you the biggest hug possible me too, where, Linda from where i am and and a big hug to you, Jen too. Big
0: hugs to you, Jen, and you know what, ladies, both of you. Thank you for your fight. Thank you for for still being there to be able to give us some, you know, a, something to tell our listeners. I hope they hadn't tuned in for more Q and on because obviously <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to get it. But yeah. it is it's a real thing that people are having to ha- cope with every day.
1: Yeah, it's true, and you know, Mum has been really inspiring. You know, she lives on her own. She gets up, she does everything herself, she has no help, she has no carers, no cleaning, she does it all. And she's, you know, she's a cancer survivor and bless you, Mom, like you're amazing. And Linda, yeah. you're amazing too. Anyone Absolutely. Anyone going through this stuff, fucking hats off to all of you. You yeah, are We raise all our inspiring. hats to you.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And if I had a little glass of bubbly, I'd raise that to you as well. I'm raising my imaginary. What have I got? Nothing. Brown lemonade. lemonade It's not a brown. (laughs) I can't wait to have a brown lemonade. I'm still dry. It's still the end of Jan.
1: I don't like when you say you're dry.
0: (laughs) Dry. I'm I'm on the dry (laughs) January.
1: Yeah, anyway. but listen
0: we better wrap it up now uh, I would like to just put a call out to all of those eavesdroppers out there if you're enjoying this please can you just share and let everybody know because uh, we've got what have we got now a new Instagram we've got new Instagram eavesdroppin
1: underscore underscore and the website's going to be live next week so keep an eye out for that and we've got and the Facebook page
0: Michelle we what's do that have called? the Facebook
1: page eavesdropping uh, eavesdroppin podcast
0: that's it. dropping with no G.
1: Yeah, mate. Eavesdro- mate.
0: Yep. And look out on the Instagram for more videos from Geordie. <laughs> Where can it be, we're going to be interacting. We think that the previous, I think what happened, the reason why we had our first Instagram account shut was because they've come down very hard on QAnon things. And oh I think because we mentioned <gasps> QAnon, that's why we were. Oh, my we goodness. Were, do you know Zip. what,
1: though? It was blessing in disguise because you're, you're doing great on the Instagram. So. Thanks,
0: Michelle. Who, I, I, hands up who wants to see some videos of Michelle as well.
1: No, Me. Thanks. I do.
0: Uh, we'll see. I have to be in the, yeah. in the a glamorous life in the Alps. I have to be in the nude. In the nude? In the mood. Oh. <laughs> All right, the then. Nude? That's us. We're done. You're, you're off to take off your robe and be in the nude.
1: And you're there with your lovely little scarf on Out to
0: have a frolic in the snow No, it's all wet It's all slush now Oh dear, All right. It's all dick and balls as the the Swedish say (laughs) Dick and
1: balls And on that note, adios Eavesdropping
0: Eavesdropping 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 Eavesdropping